have a seat. So good to see you. Live streamers, welcome back. We're happy to have you too. Go ahead and get comfy. We're just about to get started here. Anywhere you want. Very good. We have a few announcements. Everybody take your seat. Okay, very good. Well, let's go ahead and get started with just a few announcements today. We do have our small group out of the cave. They're meeting again tonight. It's going to be downstairs at the end of the hallway for anyone who's new and you haven't been there. Um, I heard that there, there's a nice gathering and that's exciting. If you're feeling a little tug on your heart to go and do that and you're feeling some anxiety about it, just know that that's not from the Lord that he desires for us to walk in peace and freedom. And so just go down there and see what it's about. You're not alone, and you're welcome to join that anytime. Again, that's tonight at the end of the hallway after offering. We do have a sweatshirt sign up in the back. If you haven't seen it, there's three different sweatshirts. Um, just put your name, what size you want. The prices are listed underneath. And this usually have a quick turnaround, but it'll be a surprise when they come. So go ahead and take a look at those. They're right in the back table back there. And then lastly, this Thanksgiving falls on a Thursday. So we will have service on Tuesday instead of Wednesday. So mark your calendars for that Turkey Tuesday. And that's all. So let's go ahead and pray um, before we get started with worship tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, the name above all names. We love you, Lord. And we know how much you love us, and we put our trust in your love. We've come tonight to seek you, and we thank you that your word says that you will be found. But not only that, we come to praise you tonight to worship you and give you the honor that you deserve. So, Lord, we just pray that you would come, that you would inhabit our praise tonight, that you would be tangible in this place, that you would place your fire with inside each one of us, that our light would shine as we leave this place tonight. Thank you for everything that you've done for us, Jesus. Thank you for the hope that is found in you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Stand on your feet. Let's worship the Lord together. Yeah, I got a story Too good to hide I was blind Testify. Ain't nobody love me like Jesus. Ain't nobody love me this good. Ain't nobody love me like Jesus. And I know, I know, nobody could. Tell me who could give me this 
when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will feel me calm down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will feel me. I just, I'm being reminded of this story where God continued to fill the oil vats. And he said, the, the prophet said, go gather all of your vats. And it, he just kept pouring and they filled them up over and over again. And that first time, I bet she doubted what was gonna happen. I bet she wasn't quite sure, yeah, right, whatever. But do you think the third time she doubted or the fourth time she doubted or the 30th time when he continued to pour out and they just kept filling up i don't know how many there were but she said to go find all of them i would be going to my neighbors and finding them and after he filled the 10th one i would be running out and getting more and more because i would want everything that was offered and i just i hear the lord saying if you would just give me an empty vessel i will fill you to overflowing and if we believe that, are we giving him all that we have? Are we running out and saying, I gotta get rid of this because I want more room for Jesus? That is who he is calling us to be. So will you be that empty vessel that he can fill to overflowing so that you can pour out on all that know you? Because I would be giving that oil out. They were going through a famine. Can you be what they need? What your family needs, what your neighbors need, can you pour out? Are you empty enough of yourself that you can pour out Jesus to them? Lord, I pray that we would be your empty vessel, Father. That we would allow you to be the potter. We want more, Lord. We want more, Father. We want more, Lord. We want more, Father. Less of me and more of you. Less of me and more of you. Fill me to overflowing, God. Fill this church to overflowing. We sing worthy are you, Lord. You will be praised. You will be praised. And saints, we sing worthy are you, Lord. You will be praised, you will be praised with angels and saints. We sing worthy are you.
Be on my 
Let's just praise him for a moment here. You are good, Father. You are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Well, children, you are dismissed. Go around and greet some of your family of faith this evening. I know they're checking kids in. Um, 
Let's take up tithe and offering. That way the, the small group can dismiss, okay? So um, let's prepare tithe and offering envelopes. If, if you need one, they're in the chairs in front of you. Wave your hand around. One of the ushers will help you out. But we'll take up offering. That way the small group can get moving and get downstairs and get started on what they're doing. So I know they're checking kids in, but we'll, we'll take it up. We appreciate your giving. By the way, uh, I will say this, it's offering time. Um, uh, every year in November, we take up what we call a Thanksgiving offering, if you've been here uh, with us in the past. And Thanksgiving offering is just uh, above your, your normal tithe. It's something maybe the Lord would put on your heart um, as a thank to him uh, for the blessings of your life and, and all those kind of things. So... And every year we designate what the Thanksgiving offering is for. So, for instance, last year we designated Thanksgiving offering uh, to replace the church roof and also uh, the renter's roof. The renter's roof just got done and they're about ready to start on our roof. So just so you know, that's about to happen. So that's what the offering last year went towards. It covered about a little more than half of what uh, this ended up costing us. But um, this year's Thanksgiving offering will be designated to making sure by next summer our air conditioning is working good. So, amen. So that's what it's going to go towards. So we're going to figure out exactly what the deal is, why it's hot in here on Wednesday sometimes. And that money will get, so I expect a very giant offering for that. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, if you've ever been in here and sweated a little bit, now's the time to help us out. So <laughs> that's, what, that's what the offering. So what we'll do is the last Sunday before Thanksgiving, uh, we'll take up that Thanksgiving offering, and, and they are in these yellow envelopes, so they're designated. And just, you know, if you read this, um, I, I say this every year, I just take these from the main campus, so that has the main campus stuff on it, but it does go to us. I just don't feel like getting separate offering envelopes made up for us and spending the money on that. So uh, if, if you're interested, yellow envelopes, this is the Sunday. Well, you can give it any time, but we'll take up the official offering the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And as Kelly announced, uh, when we start tonight, the week of Thanksgiving, uh, we don't have service on Wednesday. We have it on Tuesday. We call it Turkey Tuesday. That way, if you're traveling, seeing family, it gives you time to get out and see your family and travel on Wednesday. Okay, so let me pray over your offering, your, your normal tithe and offering tonight. Lord, we thank you to be able to give tonight. We, we worship you and we praise you and we give our, our highest to you in all things in our life. We honor you with our giving for our tithe is holy unto you. And we thank you for the increase of our life, Lord, and the, and the provision that you place in front of us. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. So bring it on down. If you're in the out of the cave small group, you are dismissed once we take up offering here. And uh, while we're doing that, a couple quick announcements. Back on the back, uh, back by Johnny, past Liz back there, back, the lights off in the, in the corner of there, we put where we normally hang some uh, posters up for uh, different events that are happening. We put some brown paper there and we put across it, I am thankful for. What I love to do over this next month leading up to Thanksgiving, if you go back there and take the black marker and just write on the board maybe one or two things that you were thankful for, keeping in mind, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever, amen? So I would love, just, just over this next month, just write some things back there on that backboard. I'd, I'd love to see uh, what you guys put up there. But that's what that's for, so go ahead and start putting things up there for that. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, um, this has to do with parents. Okay, so 
just a little update for you. We're changing, or changing, kind of updating our schedule, what we're doing with our kids at service time. So finally we got to a place where we can do something consistent. So we were looking for consistency. Uh, we want the parents to know when you come to church, what's happening with your kids for worship. So what, and, and this may, sometimes something may come up where it doesn't work out perfectly all the time. But other than the fifth Sundays of the year, which are uh, one big family Sundays, the kids are up for the whole service. On Sunday mornings, the kids every Sunday will have worship in the kids' church in the basement. On Wednesday nights, they will be with us up here for worship. Okay? So that's going to be the schedule we're going to attempt to, to make happen Sunday morning. So when you get here and check-in starts at 10 till, right? 10 till, you can go check your kids in, be back up ready for worship. Uh, church starts at 10 o'clock, then Wednesday nights, just like tonight, they'll be with us. Then right when worship's over, you can go check them in. So that's what we're going to do starting this coming Sunday. Okay, so if you have more questions about that, you can see uh, Kenzie. All right? And get your Bibles out, Ephesians chapter 6. How many of y'all are paying attention to the World Series? Anybody? Baseball fans? And how many of y'all are paying attention to it? And you better be rooting for the Phillies. That's all I'm saying. Phillies fan? Okay, Philly, you don't care. You're a Phillies fan, so I'm saying, okay. They're underdogs. They're not supposed to win, but they're up 2-1, to one and they play tonight. So I'm going to be preaching for about five minutes. Um, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm a big Philadelphia sports fan, so just so you know. Because I'm about ready to get in there and help them. That's what I'm going to do. It's going to happen. So when my boys are home, and we're watching football, Margaret will generally leave the room because we kind of get involved with the game a little bit. We like to have fun, but anyways. World Series, if the Phillies win, if they happen to win this out, you just know I'm kind of happy. So anyways, all right, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're still in the armor of God. So Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. Let's just read down through here. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord, and the strength of his might, and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Let me say something about that. Uh, you know the story of David and Goliath, right? And, and you got the, the battle lines drawn, you got the Israelites here, and you got the Philistines over there, and every day Goliath would walk out there and challenge somebody to come fight him. If you beat me, we'll, we'll take off, you know? And they were all scared until David showed up, right? And he says, who in the world is this guy to defy the living God, right? How many of you on days you feel like that? You feel like, you know what, bring it on, man. How dare you defy, how many ever feel like that? How many ever feel like the complete opposite? Like you're just like, dude, I, don't, I can't do nothing today. If Goliath comes out there, have a good day, buddy. I'm going that way, right? Here, here's the thing. The days you feel like it's there and the days you don't, you're still saved. And God hasn't left you. And the Holy Spirit's with you. Right? So even on the days you don't feel like you got it, you have it because God's with you. Amen? So even on the days you don't feel like you have it are still the days that you can stand strong in the power of of his might. Because even on those days, and, and you know what, I, I tell you guys, I've been pastoring for a long time. I don't feel like every day like I'm the super spiritual strong guy. 
I'm be honest. I'm human just like you. Some days I feel like junk. I really do. I'm just like, and I'm, I'm always, and, and I don't like it when there's church days because I know I have to come up and do this. And I, I got to encourage you in the word, and I'm feeling like, man, I wish I'd like to sit, sit there myself maybe and just listen to it. But then there was the days I remember, but, but God, it's okay. I may feel like that, but God hasn't left me. He hasn't forgotten about me. Even then, I'm going to stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Amen? God, God being with you does not depend on what you feel. Don't live life by your feelings. If you live life by your feelings, your life will have a tendency to do a lot of this. And it may do that anyways. It's not about what you feel. There's some days I feel like God, I mean, he's present. There's some days I feel like he's just, where in the world did he go? He's, he's out there, I don't know what he's doing. But that's not true. I just feel that way. Don't live life by your feelings. Live life in faith by the revelation of who God is and what he has said. Amen? That, that, will, help, that will help level some things out in your life. Okay? I'm not guided by my feelings. I'm guided by God and his word. All right, so let's keep reading. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So it is real, and we do have an enemy. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. In other words, when the day is not going good, you can stand. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth. In other words, what holds things together, the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts or the arrows of the evil one. And then where we're going to be tonight. And take this helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, talking about Paul, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So we're, we're going to talk about the, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God tonight. So Paul is saying, again, the, the analogy to Roman soldier uh, the different things that the soldier wears. He, he's looking at the soldiers, w which are very present. Uh, these areas are occupied by Rome, so the soldiers are present to keep things in order, to keep peace, to keep Roman law in, in action. So he sees a Roman soldier, he sees what he's outfitted with, and he takes an analogy and looking at what's going on, and, he, and he's putting things to it as these are things that will benefit you to understand that you can, in God, literally put these on in your life, to withstand what the enemy is up to. So one of the things he talks about is the helmet of salvation. And, and kind of the way you can think about your head 
is, is what, it, 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 what everything flows in your life from your head. In other words, it's the, it's the place, the seat of understanding, okay? The seat of knowledge. It's what makes the rest of your body move, okay? That you guard your life in that way with the helmet of salvation. In other words, you stand firm in that you are saved. Now, here, here's a question, and I've gotten this question quite frequently over the years, pastoring churches. How do I know I'm really saved? I get that question a lot. How do I know I'm really saved? How, how do I know I'm not one of those people in the Bible where it says, you know, you, you, you did all these things in my name, but yet I never knew you. How do I know that's not me? Let, let's decomplicate this entire thing. Have you called on the name of the Lord? The Bible says those who call on the name of the Lord will be. Have you been forgiven of your sins? You've been made righteous. How, how are you forgiven of your sins? You ask. Right? Are you actively, in the way you know how, in the leading of the Spirit, living a life that you're following him? Are you doing that? I'm going to say you're saved. Let's not make this hard. Does the Bible warn about not going back into willful sin? Absolutely. Does the Bible warn about... Uh, False teachings and heresies? Absolutely. But the thing is this. Salvation is not perfection, nor is salvation understanding all theology perfect either. So let's not make this hard. As a matter of fact, there's, there's some people out there that believe they've been, I don't know, called to be a gatekeeper. They get to decide whether or not you're saved. Well, I don't think much about those people, to be honest with you. Bible says by your fruit you will know them, but it's ultimately not my call anyhow. I'm not judge. Okay? So how do I know I'm saved? If you call on the name of the Lord, have you cried out for the forgiveness of your sins? Are you in an active life of, of following him? Then I think you're going to be all right. Do you have to watch your life and your doctrine? Absolutely. But, but let's not get into a place where you become fearful of your salvation. That's where the enemy can make inroads in your life. Now you begin to doubt. You begin to worry that you're not good enough. Since when does the Bible say you have to be good enough to be saved? As a matter of fact, he draws everybody in who's not good enough. Does he not? So to come into an assurance that because of the trajectory of my life, because of what I have done, I put on this helmet of salvation that I'm in assurance that I am saved. And here's what I believe, and I say this all the time. The Holy Spirit is absolutely good at what he does. And I trust he's going to lead you and guide you and convict you and help you. I believe that. And are there cases where people uh, fall away from the faith and get into things they should? Absolutely. It's, the Bible's full of, of warnings about that. But don't complicate it for yourself. You stay in the leading of the Spirit. And he is going to, as the Bible says, one of the things he does when he comes is he will guide you 
in all truth. He will remind you of the things that Jesus said. He's called the spirit of truth. The helmet of salvation is linked in a way by the leading of the Holy Spirit to the belt of truth that you put on you, the absolutes of Jesus. Okay? So, don't let the devil get in your mind that maybe you aren't saved. Now, I think this happens sometimes because people end up back in willful sin. Then they start to question their salvation. I would tell you, if you're in willful sin, by the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the help of the Holy Spirit, let's overcome. Okay? I think that's when questions start happening. But in those, even those circumstances, by your understanding and your conviction and your working, God sees your heart. Not making an excuse for sin. God doesn't put up with it, but he's awful patient with us as we work through stuff. He is that way. Thank goodness none of us would make it. Amen. So the helmet of salvation guards you. That you stand firm in the faith. I am saved. God has brought me into his family. And all remember that series we did... Uh, uh, what do we call it, the, the images of salvation. We talk about the different uh, descriptions of salvation we have in the Bible. That we're a child of God, we're reconciled to God, we're, we're righteous. All, the, all these different things that are images of what it means to be saved, that's who you are. That is your identity. Don't let the devil mess with your identity. If he can get you to uh, think differently about who you are, he can get you back into sin. He can get you into a life of doubt, right? He can get you to walk away from where you had been in Jesus. Don't doubt your salvation. Amen. So, so you are saved. By the way, that's past tense. That means you don't have to earn your salvation. Past tense, I'm saved. Now, Paul, in the way he talks, he also talks about that we are being saved. So in other words, we're working it out. But I'm saved today. I'm being saved because my life is being changed. And then he talks about a future salvation when he comes again. And the finality of all things, I will be saved. But have the assurance that I'm saved and because I'm following him, I'm being saved, but yet there, there is a life coming, that reward, the eternal life with him, I will be saved. But it starts with this past tense thing. I am saved. I've been saved. I'm not perfect, but I'm saved. I'm still learning what it means to, to live according to Scripture. I'm still figuring this out, but I'm saved. Right? I'm living a life in honor of him. I'm living beyond my understanding. I don't understand everything, but, but I'm saved. Aren't you thankful that when Jesus comes, and if we're still alive at that point, that he doesn't give you a hundred question theology test that you've got to pass before you get a go? I'm thankful. Amen? You're saved. And if he was to come back during this service, we're gone, man. Poof. I expect everybody here to, we're going. I expect all of us to be there. Amen. Because we're saved. Now, 
If you're sitting here and said, I've never called on the name of the Lord, okay. I've never asked for the forgiveness of my sins, okay. I'm willfully living in sin. I'm willfully not caring about it. I know it. I don't care. Okay, when I would say, see me afterwards, we need to talk. <laughs> but if you've called on the name of the Lord and you've given your life to Jesus, you're saved. Just work it out. Amen. And that, that's putting on that helmet of salvation, this assurance of, of who you are. In other words, I would say you are saved in the fullest sense of the word. The fullest sense of it. You are. So believe that. It's, it's, not a, it's not an arrogance thing, but it's an assurance thing in him. You have been marked and sealed with the Holy Spirit. Sealed. In other words, you belong to him. You ever see the uh, cartoon movie Toy Story? My son Ryan, when he was a kid, I always talk about Ryan on Wednesdays. I don't know why. He watched that movie every single day. Back in those days with the VCR tape. I know. I understand. He wore that thing out. You, you remember, remember Andy and Woody? Andy wrote his name on the bottom of, of Woody's boot. You are marked with the name of God. You belong to him. And ain't nobody, it could be, I don't remember, it wasn't, it wasn't the first movie, that, that dude that, that took the paint and painted over Andy's name on the boot because he was going to be put in a museum or sold or something like that, something crazy like that. It's not going to happen to you. The devil can't do that unless you willfully reject what God has done. The devil can't just come in and take that from you. Can't do it. So don't give him foothold. You put on the helmet of salvation. You belong to him. God's got your, his name written on the bottom of your foot. Whatever you want to say, it's there. I belong to Jesus. I am his. And when I make a mistake, it doesn't change that. I come back in repentance and keep going. Amen. Don't let the devil take that from you. So, so uh, I, I had a friend, and I've told you about this, this guy before. When we, when we were um, in high school, I, I shared with you, I wasn't living for Jesus. Neither was he. We both grew up in church. There were times we'd hang out overnight. We were up in the middle of the night, and sometimes one of us, a lot of times it was him, would ask, I wonder what would happen if Jesus came back right now. And both of us knew the answer to that, but we still talk about it. I don't know, it's teenage boys, you know what I'm saying. We knew it wouldn't go well, but we still talk about it. And what would change? Nothing. <laughs> don't be like that. We questioned it because we knew, but because you know, don't question it. Don't question it. Don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. The helmet of salvation guards you from the doubts and the worries. You don't have to fear God's wrath. You're saved. You don't have to fear it. Amen? Okay. The helmet of salvation. Keep that thing on. Don't, don't let the devil put doubt in your mind about it. All right, the sword of the spirits which is the word of God. 
And of course, in the Roman armory, that sword, we think of swords, I think sometimes we think these big giant, that's not what the Roman sword was like. They carried, they carried javelins, spears. The sword was more of a, a, I don't know what you would call it, a dagger, okay, more about that size. But it was an offensive and defensive weapon, okay? And, and, and Paul doesn't leave any bones about what this is. This is the word of God. Now, I, I think the image when I think of a sword in the Word of God, I always think of Revelation 19. And here comes Jesus coming back with the armies of heaven with me. He's on the white horse. He's got a tattoo on his thigh. And, and the Bible says when he comes down, and I think we have this image, okay, these armies are all going to come down. We're going to wipe everybody out. No, the Bible says that with the sword that comes from his mouth, he judges the nations. And it's by that the carnage happens. In other words, it, it's very symbolic of the judgment by the Word of God. Now, when Jesus comes back that way, that is the judgment, finality of all things, but that's not right now. The, the sword that we use is not for the laying low and the judgment of other people like that. The sword is the warding off of the enemy. Remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and the temptations came and Jesus came back with the written word to ward off the temptations of the devil himself. It's an offensive weapon defensive also. So when it, when it says the word of God, there's a lot of different things that, that people think about. Uh, certainly when what we find is a New Testament was being written, there was no New Testament Bible. So the word of God could be referring to the Old Testament scripture, okay? But we, we all stand now in, in that the word of God is the entirety of old and new, the word of God. Uh, some people think that's referring to uh, the word of God is we are led consistently by the Holy Spirit. It could mean that. Um, but, but whatever it, it, Paul was really getting at, simply this, let's go broad terms. What has God said? What do the scriptures say? What has God said about you? Who are you? What are the things the word declares about the believer? What has God said? In those things, we stand and resist the enemy. That's what we do. So our understanding that the very words of God are our protection. You see that? The very words of God are our protection. So, uh... Have you, have you noticed, okay, so if you, if you follow our, our um, uh, Facebook page, they've been asking me to make these little real things where the, I feel like the phone's like right in my face. So I'm doing these little real things and I'm putting like a 30 second encouragement on there, okay? The, the one I just did, Psalm 27, one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Did God say that? Then why are you in fear? You see what I'm getting at? What has God said? So when the enemy tries to bring fear to your life for whatever it is, you go back and say, but wait a second. No, 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 no. God... He's my light. He's my salvation. He's my stronghold. 
I don't need to fear anything. So fear, you have no business here. Because this is what God has said. Okay, so the devil or the enemy or the schemes of the enemy will not show up to you in a red suit, with horns, and a tail, and a pitchfork. He's not like that. I doubt he looks that way anyway. But, but if he did, he wouldn't, he wouldn't show up that way. You go, oh my gosh, this is the devil. Wow, I need to do something about this. He shows up in ways that, that are sneaky, they're sly, they're trying to weave their way in, they're trying to do something in a way that you don't catch on right away. It's in until already now, now you're oppressed and you're... So when fear comes, you, you're probably not thinking, oh, this is the work of the devil. You're generally having fear about something, but he's needling it. But then your discernment kicks in. Ah, oh, wait a minute. No. And then you grab hold. What has God said? I'm his child. God has said nothing can separate me from his love. Nothing. And even... When Paul writes that he even puts angels or demons, nothing can separate me from the love of God. We start standing in those things. It becomes an offensive weapon to ward off the attack of the devil. You see? But here, here's the thing. You, you have to be, again, not a, a theologian, but you have to be somebody that's at least doing some of this. <laughs> Well, how do you know what he said? You have to be a person that, that spends some time in prayer so you learn his voice and his leading so when he does speak and lead, you know it's him, right? And when you get to the place where you begin to understand some of these things, there's a maturity of faith that starts to happen. So when I read the Bible... I don't read it again to make a checklist. I did my spiritual thing for the day. I read it in a way because he gave it to me to connect to him and to grow to him and be strengthened in him. That's why I read the Bible. And what comes from that, it turns into the sword of the Spirit. Not just a checklist I checked off and it's sitting in the corner of my room somewhere. It's literally part of my armory to ward off the enemy. What has God said? Amen. Now I don't have to live, again, in the spirit of fear. He didn't give me a spirit of fear, did he? No, no he didn't. Then, then, then I don't have to accept that. Amen? When, when you're tempted, and all of a sudden it clicks in your brain, I'm being tempted. Then I remember the word, oh, what, is, what, is, what has God said? What, what, is, what did Paul write by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? No one will be tempted beyond what they can bear. Well, hey, I can stand up to this. I don't have to give in to this. I can actually stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Why? Because that's what he said. Because remember, when David went out and fought Goliath, he did it in the power of the Spirit. D didn't he? He did it with the again, again, it is God who is empowering us. So this word is alive because it invokes the living God in upholding his word. 
right? Now, by the way, the Bible is not God. I don't worship the Bible. It's the words of God. Right? But God upholds his word. And his word invokes him. As the prophet said, his word will not return void unto him. So, um, my, when I went to college, my very first my very first class ever in college, I almost quit the idea of going to ministry. I almost quit the Christian faith entirely. Because my very first class was Old Testament lit, Old Testament literature with Dr. Milton Kranz. I doubt he's still alive. He's an old man at that point. It's a long time ago. Brilliant man. But in the first hour and 45 minutes, he told us how we came to have our Bibles. Translation processes. And, I, and at the end of that, I said, Psh, are you kidding me? I ain't believing in that. You, no way. Are you crazy? Now I know how I actually get this thing. There's just no way. Absolutely, positively not. I, I, was, I was just thrown off the wagon entirely. We don't have the original copy of any book in the Bible. They say this person wrote it, but we're really not sure. I mean, I'm just telling you, man, it was just like, what in the world? But then the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and went, psh, 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 calm down. I've been involved in the process the whole time. And I've come to trust, and because it was a trust thing, I've come to trust my life with what this says and stand firm in it and not back off it. And I will hold on to a word of God in a very tenacious way. I grab, grab hold in faith because I believe the words of God not only are true, but will produce what they say they will produce. Amen. Amen. And I will not back down. What if I'm holding on for, for a while on that word? Keep holding. Keep grabbing. D don't quit. Amen? In that, we ward off the enemy. I, I probably should do better sword things. Anyway, ward off the enemy. Amen? So, so the sword of the Spirit. All right, let's keep standing firm. If you've been knocked down recently, get up. Bandage up your knees. You know the Christian life? I'm telling you what. The Christian life is a bunch of people that have really scraped up and scarred knees and elbows from falling down. But what the Christian life is, because of the help of the Holy Spirit, we get back up. We wipe ourselves off, throw some Band-Aids on. I'm going. Let, let's go. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Amen? So if you've been knocked down, get up. Grab hold of what God has said. And don't let go. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I praise you. I, I worship you tonight. I thank you for, for coming to your house just to, to spend time with, with others in the faith, Lord, and to be able to worship you and just, just challenge one another in the word. I, I pray, Lord, that we do stand firm. And we don't quit, we don't give up. That we stay in the faith, and that's what pleases you. 
Lord, help us. Now, I pray that, that the voice of the Holy Spirit is very clear to us. It may not be the loudest shouting voice in the world, but it's very clear to us. That we know it's you, and we live by you. And, and I, I thank you. I thank you that we are going to persevere and press on. I thank you that we're going to do that. This long-term discipleship, this long-term of walking the narrow road, this long-term of following you and finding out what it means to have real, honest, true, and vibrant life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All righty. Well, everybody, have a blessed week. We'll be back Sunday morning. See you then. Bring somebody with you.